0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Fighting Goat. We are back with episode 8 of The Dhammaka with the one and only superhuman Somej Kamra. And I'm one of the hosts, Arjun, aka Mystic Chips. How also are you known doing, as Also known as Sexy Chips. What's up, Sexy <laughs> Chips? O- only, you know, only very, very few people call me that. <laughs> I remember, it was I think it was 15 years ago. Somebody said that once. <laughs> and they said, I didn't make my mistake. <laughs> at least at least someone said it <laughs> at least so. at least somebody i think yeah so once once once, once yeah <laughs> but chips how's it been man we had a great great week of fights we spoke about it on oh. the ultimate guide to ufc we've had incidents we've had so many discussions after that particular fight you know yeah. i mean come on you know like tell us tell us exactly what was the week that was Firstly, the week that was, was a very interesting week. The fights in the UFC were stellar as always. We had uh, Robert Whitaker secure his number one position against Kelvin Gastelum. We had the legend, Andrei Orlovsky back in action, coming away with the win. And also for everybody, you know, that who have tuned into uh, round three of last week's episode. You now know that Team Chips is leading four to zero in this department, you know. It's not a part of our agreement. So let's not speak about that. <laughs> But apart from the world of mixed martial arts there was there was a lot of dhamaka in boxing as well Sumesh can you tell us a little bit about what happened with uh, Ben Askren and Jake Paul well in fact uh, Jake Paul who uh, was a former youtuber who's you know kind of transitioned into the world of boxing is currently 3 and 0 oh, which yes. means 3 wins and zero losses but chips who all has he faced he's faced Ben Askren he's faced some youtuber Yeah, two YouTubers. Two YouTubers and a wrestler. In boxing, and he claims to be three and zero, and he's running his mouth like any other average YouTuber out there. No, no. The worst is that now he's calling. No, no. For, you know, we are a second segment is a very interesting one. <laughs> where we are going to talk about the crossovers of MMA and boxing, right? And and you know, more and more MMA fighters are getting into the sport of boxing now. Maybe right. they're doing it for the money, but you have got to wait for round two for that. But when we talk, we're talking about the week that was. The it was it was such a weird incident where the way Ben Askren got knocked out and fell firstly he had come in with full dad board, and he had come in with like it was weird you know we saw that fight because I have seen Ben Askren picked up seven feet in the air by Robbie Lawler and smashed on his head and right. came back and to win that fight right right and I don't know what happened there because I don't think look you know so we know fighting and one punch in the right place can put your lights out Right. It's happened to the best of the best. Right. Right. See, no doubt, no doubt that was an extremely good one 2 out there. You know, that cross, the cross was lethal, but yeah. at the, you know, but at the same time, I feel these exhibition matches are pretty much losing the flavor of real fighting. You know, when we saw Connor take on Floyd, you know, that was, that was probably oh, man, the that only, was at least competitive. You know, that was, that Floyd was the has... only, that was the only Proper crossover boxing match that I've seen, which again, we'll speak in round two. But Correct. honestly, this was more of an exhibition match. I think, uh, you know, Floyd even went uh, to uh, Japan to face one of the kickboxing stars. And that pretty much seemed like an exhibition match. So, honestly, for me as a hardcore fight fan, it is more of a paycheck based fight and not a real fight. So, very true but you know, let's uh, you know now that we have settled with uh, the sideshow that was Jake Paul and Askren, let's move on to the actual fights that took place this week in which oh, were in the UFC. Yes. Oh yes. and uh, we start off with Andrei Orlovsky uh, taking on Chase uh, Hooper. Sorry, was it Chase Hooper? Or Chase Spencer? Uh, sorry, Chase uh, Chase Sherman. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm I'm confusing names. There are a lot of chases. There are a lot of <laughs> chasing being going on. But that's one thing that Chase Sherman couldn't do Who was are you chase chasing? down. <laughs> I am not chasing anybody. <laughs> I just go jogging in the morning. That's it. <laughs> no, so Chase Sherman had a great strategy against Andrei Alofsky and in the yeah. first round almost finished the veteran. But there's a reason why Andrei Alowski is a veteran. You know, he was so right. crafty and he turned it around and he put on I wouldn't call it an amazing performance, but he did what he had to do so much. Very true. Very true. In fact, Andre Olovsky was a, a last-minute replacement to this fight. And, you know, it just is so funny to see a 43-year-old MMA Shit, fighter. He's 43? 40, you know, he's been fighting since 1999. Chips. I mean, Man, you know, that's that's almost... Music that's almost 21 years, 22 years of professional fighting. And he, you know, he took this fight on April 7th, which is just about two weeks out, uh, you know, and normally these heavyweights do not keep a very healthy diet because they don't have to cut correct, yeah, you yeah. know, any more weight. So he may have not been in his best shape, but man, the way he came out there, he took Jay Sherman, he took his best shots. And he just moved forward and he secured the win. That actually gets me to the point that these last minute replay, you know, these replacement fighters with uh, veterans, is it a good thing for the opponents? Or is it something which they need to be careful of? Because see, at the end mm. of the day, you know, experience does count. True. No, see, uh, you know, when we spoke about this on the Ultimate Guide to the UFC, uh, you know, I think one of the, it was a question by by one of our uh, fans in the audience Yeah. and they asked, uh, you know, what is the downside? Of, of facing a veteran there is i, I would never say there is a downside in facing a veteran right. never ever because if you win great you won against a veteran but uh, you know the guy is already past his prime he's a veteran right. in the in the business but if you lose to a veteran then it's always looked as, as as a learning experience because you know what that old the old lion still has some tricks up his sleeve he still taught you a few things and i think chase sherman has nothing to be worried about he has nothing to be embarrassed about he got, he got. He, it's not like he was viciously knocked out or there was some lopsided beating. He right, just got right. schooled. And but, but he's you know, come are, back better for it. Very true. In fact, there are there are a few aspects to this. Uh, you know, Jay Sherman was supposed to face another youngster called Parker Porter, and you, right. know, you know, Parker Porter pulled out. Uh, and Andrei Parker's Parlovsky. a tough guy. Man. Parker's oh, a man. tough guy. Tough, tough, uh, S O B. You know, Chase Sherman himself was cut by the UFC in 2018 when he had a three-fight losing streak. He came into this fight on a four-fight winning streak. So (laughs) that could make me believe that the guy was very high on confidence. He may have... You know, he may have shown a little bit of frustration in round three because he he could not catch Arlovsky. No, it's But that's see, that is where that is why you call Arlovski a crafty veteran. No, exactly. He took he took away. See, in when you're fighting, if your feet, if you if you're going to keep getting kicked in your legs, and if you don't protect them and you don't check those kicks over time, and especially if there's a heavyweight kicking you, and Andre Arlovski is a ace kickboxer during his yeah. day, and the, and the way he, the technique in which he was kicking his leg, literally by the third round, Chase's leg was a dead leg. And he yes. couldn't pivot off it. He couldn't pivot off and turn his hips and punch properly. He couldn't do anything. So that was one big weapon that was removed. Like he right. just couldn't move. And then you can't expect somebody like, okay, in a heavyweight division, you can't expect, saying you know, goading somebody saying, Aa, mere samne ja, ek ko. Right. that's stupid. Nobody's ever going to do that. So Arlovsky did what he had to do. Well, it was, it was an absolute calculative move and I think it was great for Orlovsky because he gets back in the winning column. Uh, of course, you know, it's very difficult to see him face a top five uh, heavyweight at no, the man, moment. No. I mean, that you would know, be mean. I mean, it would just be disastrous for his career, especially because in the post-fight conference, he did say he wants to fight for a couple of years more before the UFC kind of, you know, asked him to leave. I think but, I think it's you know, just, you know, it's there's only one person who's fighting and he's 60. I think it's Alexei Olinik who is just sixty-five or something. He's not really sixty-five, but he's like—if you look at him, he looks like an old Serbian grandfather who's sitting there. (laughs) You know what? But you know, but uh, having having said that, I think he does have four to five kids, at least. Yeah, minimum. minimum. And the daycare facilities are open on third floor of the UFC building in Vegas. Yeah, you have to, you have to know who you have to know who John Anik is to get that joke. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but moving on now, and we move on to uh, before we talk about the main event, we talk about something that irritated the life out of a lot of fans. And it yeah. was, it was, it is, uh, you know, sumesh so and I have been watching fighting forever. And right. the antics that take place before a fight, are usually meant to market the fight, you know? You're there to sell the fight. You're there to sell and hype it up and stuff. Right. And when guys like, you know, Vandele Silva, Rampage Jackson, Anderson Silva, Vitor Belfort, John Jones, DC. John C. Jones, Daniel Cormier, uh Connor McGregor, Nate Diaz, the Diaz brothers, the the amount of pushing and shoving that takes place at a vein is considered normal. Now Sumesh, but you, you know, uh, you know the rules you know, of the weigh-in. Is it allowed <laughs> legally or is just frowned upon? Oh, uh, well, see, to be really honest, uh, you know, there's no legal aspect in this where they say, no, you cannot push your opponent, but like it is you won't deb- be disqualified if you push something. No, not right? at all. No. Not so at all. In fact, no you will not be disqualified, you know, huh. but however, they have been strictly told that you cannot touch your opponent. They've been told very, very particularly, (laughs) but see, you know what we're dealing with fighters, you know, they, it happens, you know, when they come very close to the opponent, there's always that one reaction that comes through and, uh, You know, yeah, most, most of these could be said that they are done for marketing, but you know, Arjun, there are times where the fighters genuinely don't like each other. Uh, Of course, as you rightly said, someone like a Quinton Rampage Jackson or Wanderley Silva or uh, Chuck Liddell Liddell, Mandalay, Chuck Chuck Liddell Liddell, Quinton Jackson, Chuck Liddell Tito. Tito, Chuck you know, Tito man. You know, Chuck was the, ready to slap Tito. These guys genuinely don't like each other, you know, and, and, and if, and if, you know, Nate Tiaz, Nick Tiaz, if they don't like someone, they genuinely, yeah. you know, they're very vocal about it. They don't hide the aspect, but tell me something. So i sorry to cut you off, but it's, you know, we were talking about this, but the fans don't know. I mean, our listeners don't know. Drakkar Closer was scheduled to face a man called Jeremy Stephens, little heathen, in the co-main event. In the co-main event. Yes. co-main event is a big slot. It's like, it's a big jump from, you know, for a fighter. I mean, Jeremy Stephens has been there many, many times. He's a grizzly veteran of the sport. But Drakkar Closer had a great opportunity to take on somebody like that. And during the weigh-ins, there was Jeremy Stephens in the heat of the moment, just shoved him. Granted, it was one hell of a gangster push, clearly. But... The reaction that he went through was not immediate. And well, <laughs> it came a day later. So, you know, one tends to think he <laughs> You know, in fact that is so aptly put because what happens normally before the fight, which happens in the US on a Saturday hmm. evening, the veins are done twenty four hours prior. So, okay, so that's or- Friday night. Yeah. So basically Friday evening is when, you know, all the ceremonial weigh-ins are done, you know, and with like the crowd and the media and the cameras and stuff. Yeah. You know, you know, so they come on the stage, you know, and they kind of go on the scale and they weigh themselves and then they have something called a face-off, you know, so after that face-off, sometimes when, you know, the fighters come too close, you know, there are some fighters who are very cool and calm, like a steeper. Yeah, yeah. You no, know, but on the flip side, you have a Nate Diaz, you have a Nick Diaz, you have a Connor that you know that really hype things up because that intensity, feed, yeah. that intensity. You know, they feed off each other's energies. So I guess, I guess, pushing and shoving is absolutely normal. Ooh, I mean, yes. I would, you know, I would, I would love to see it because. But what we no, no but know, no. What you, what we were talking about was, look, yeah, If I, if you slap me today on my face, it'll sting me in, in for immediately. Right. I'm not going to come back tomorrow and tell you, that, Hey, I'm going <laughs> <But laughs> to see you know what? Now, now there's another aspect to this. Why I completely agree with you? I am a little pissed off because I wanted to see that fight. However, maybe the push aggravated and underlying injury, which was Correct. already there you know maybe his spine kind of snapped or something on the side no spine. man we saw the replay of that push the push was a regular push i mean vanderley pushed harder yeah. and, and true and, you and know and maybe like like you said like we we discussed also the injury is a big part of it right but it's not like it, you know i'm i'm waiting to see what the medical reports say because nausea from a push you know i don't know we don't know we will not know properly till we get the proper report but right you spoke also about an uh, aspect because you've seen when you when you were with bharat kandare in um, in the locker rooms before yeah. the fights and you tell me that there is a you know uh, the veins are the last time that a fighter sees his opponent before he sees him inside the cage that's and right there is a certain intimidation factor that can be built there as well absolutely yes Absolutely, and yes. Like guys like Anderson Silva used to break their opponents in the veins. Right. You just saw that face of his. You saw that demeanor. Connor's scream and his war cry. Right. When he yells at the audience and he screams in the face of his opponent. Unless your name is Nate Diaz and nothing, you're not scared of anything. Yeah. It broke a lot of opponents. Very true. Do you true. think there is that aspect? Maybe, you know, because Jeremy is also, he's an old school mind games. Yeah. Beat the crap out of you first before I care about my record kind of fighter. Correct. It. it. So yes, so, you, know, uh, you know, in fact, there was, there was one incident which had happened when Stipe was facing DC for the second time. Hmm. And you know, when they had crossed paths in the hotel, they had kind of yeah. you know, very uh, informally shaken hands and we saw it on UFC Embedded where, yeah. you know, where DC clearly said that, you know, man, his hands look crazily hard. Yeah. Oh yeah. I remember saying, you know, that, and somebody like DC saying it, you know, Daniel Cormier is an Olympian. You know, he's a he's a champion in his own right. I mean, that guy fears nobody. Yes. You know, and at that point of time, he was kind of, you know, kickboxing with Luke Rockhold. He was wrestling yeah. with Kane Velasquez. And Khabib Nurmagomedov as And Khabib was in the corner also out there, you know. So, I mean, for DC to say that means, you know, Stipe's handshake had already set the tone for the fight. Can you imagine what Nagano's handshake would have been? oh uh, you know i mean i would not even want to get there you know but uh, you know but having said that closest closest version was the fact that yes you know he got pushed and the migraine kicked in much later that was that was his version of it but as a fan i would say that if the migraine kicked in with a push what would have happened during the fight seriously i mean i mean what if jeremy had landed one of his bombs well, you know Jeremy if people do not know Jeremy Stevens is one of the hardest hitting 145 pounders in yep. that division and he hits like a truck. When he it, hits, it, honestly, people really don't get up. It's 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 very true. I mean like in a post fight interview Jose Aldo who uh, Jose Aldo who finished Jeremy Stevens yeah. with a brutal body shot was saying that with every one of his strikes that he was taking and Aldo is, uh, Aldo is a madman, hard hitting, badass himself. Aldo's Aldo. <laughs> Aldo's Aldo. And Aldo said that with every shot, he could feel it. He could feel the damage hitting. It's like when Peter Yan punches you. Yes. Like, you know, those are those damaging shots. Yes. They, yes. they don't, you don't see it, but it just adds up. It's just yes. that, it's just that brutality of the shot. When guys like, uh, it's like when Aldo leg kicked people. You know, initially oh, that first one you would just hear the sound. Second one, and then out of nowhere the guy would be limping. Yes, yes, and you know, and in fact Aldo comes from a camp of killers where they generally spar very hard. Yeah. So for you know, so for Aldo to make that statement about Jeremy Stevens makes me believe Jeremy Stevens is definitely in the top three of the hardest punchers. In, I agree. You know, in that in 145, the, yeah, in the featherweight division. I think. But- up there with Barbosa, Aldo, and Jeremy Selby, you know, so, so you the know. Hardcores. In fact, I do feel at some level it could be a scare, but honestly, you know, I'm I'm nobody to uh, yeah, you know, and, like comment. Yeah, we we never do that because you know it's firstly the fact that you step into anybody who steps into the ring to fight or the cage to fight is already a hero in my books, right? And but I really do feel that uh, the old school guys depended on a lot of intimidation tactics. Wanderlei was scary. That entire stare down with him cracking his knuckles in your face Right, was right. was such a scary thing to see. It was, it was for, especially like, you know, Somesh, you keep talking about athletes and fighters. Yeah. Maybe the athletes get intimidated by the fighters. You know, Absolutely. Maybe, maybe Absolutely. it's a possibility. You know what? There was a time when Chael Sonnen and uh, wanderley Silva were doing the ultimate fighter. Oh and God. you know, there were moments where the contenders had not come in, but still, these two were going at it. You know, backstage. Two, don't you remember the scene where they got into each other's faces? The cameras were off. I mean, the the contenders were just not even in the gym. They were just crossing paths and they tackled one another. The microphones (laughs) broke and they tackled one another when it had written expressly, do not touch the coaches. Nobody (laughs) can touch each other, but it just happened. And that is that mentality where they just, they don't give a crap. They don't give a crap about the rules. Yes, of course, I'm not going to knee somebody to the head, but that also happens with the (laughs) hardcores. absolutely does. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just, it's unfortunate. We lost out on a great fight yeah. And Somesh and I have said this so many times, you know, it's being a company man in the UFC, like guys like how Cowboy Cerrone has been. Yeah. Or, you know, there are so many names that don't come to mind surprisingly on a Monday. <laughs> but uh, but why I say guys like Cowboy Cerrone is because they've stepped in on short notice. They've stepped yeah. up and they've got opportunities because of that. Not only opportunities, backstage bonuses, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, yeah, you know, like Hamzat, uh, Hamzat Chimaev is one of them. Absolutely. And John Jones was public enemy number one because he canceled a card. A UFC 151 was cancelled yeah. because of Jones' reluctance to to fight somebody on short notice. Yeah. Yeah. And believe me, Dana White, he was in Dana White's bad books for many years after that. Absolutely. The Absolutely. only reason if it was somebody lesser, he would have been cut. But John Jones is the phenom greatest fighter of the world. So he can't touch him. Right, right. So yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, those are two versions of what could have happened to Drakar <laughs> Close. <laughs> After that vicious gangster push <laughs> by Jeremy Steven. push. <laughs> but that takes us to the main event of the yes, evening sir. between Robert Whitaker and last-minute replacement Kelvin Gaslam. There was, but not chips. so last-minute. Man, there was at least three, four weeks of time. Yeah, but First you know what? Pulled out a month ago. But you know what? The thing is that after a while, when you're facing someone like a Robert Whitaker. It's never going to be easy. It's never going to be easy. You know. In fact, True. the fact that Kelvin Gastelum even took the fight, I think, is a very, very big thing because honestly, you know, you're on a two-three fight winning streak. You know, you are aiming at the belt. Uh, your opponent is injured. You know, why? Why would someone step in to actually spoil the True. record? You know, why would why would someone yeah, I, step in? But you know, see again, we keep coming back to this. K three uh, kg is such a badass. We don't say K three G. I was going to say 3 ji by mistake. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine Kelvin Gastelum acting in Kabhi Khushi Kabhi Do <laughs> you wait? No, Salman Khan has to call Francis Naganu now. <laughs> but we have a superstar surprise for you later also. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you're right. See, dude, no, it's, you know, stepping in to take on, on fighters on short notice. But again, like we said, is there an embarrassment losing to Robert Whittaker? Is it embarrassing to lose to Robert Whittaker? No, it's Robert Whittaker. Well, you can uh, say you lost to Robert Whitaker, man. I mean, look, Kelvin Gastelum is at a weird point in his career. Yeah. Uh, He's won a few. He's lost a few. But he's he's never, he's always one fight away from being a contender. No matter what. Well, you know what? Very, very surprisingly, Kevin Gastelum was on a three-fight losing streak before he won his previous fight. I think it was versus Ian Heinzich. Uh, Maybe Ian Heinzich. Heinz. Heinz. Heinz, Heinz. Yes. Yes. And honestly, you know, If I was Kelvin Gastelum, this would have been a very, very big risk on my part. I would have waited to get maybe one win more before facing someone like Robert Wettigar, because technically in the books, he's one win and four losses in his last Hmm. five. See, but again, we've we've spoken about, you know, fighters and then fighters who care about their records. And and I think guys like Chris Lieben, guys like Chuck Riddell, guys like Vandele, guys like Brian Stan, Rampage, I'm talking about a, a bygone era, the Shoguns, the Dan Henderson's, right. the Jim Miller's, the, the Jeremy Stevens, the guys from that era didn't care what their W and L record was. Very true. It's Very about true. putting on a show. It was putting on a fight. It's a fight business. It's, a, it's the hurt business. Right. And if you don't come in there and fight your promoters, like guys, like in 1FC have started a card system for inactivity. Right. Started a red card. Pride used to use give give out red cards and yellow cards, right? For inactivity, and that would be that would mean docking your pay. Well, so you see, literally had to fight, you know. Uh, in Pride, you know, if you were not punching for like precisely one and a half seconds, you would get a card exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I think these, even though guys like Robert Whittaker and yeah. Kevin Gaston are both super warriors, they will bring, yeah, it. they don't care about a record. They right. work their way, at, way back up. And I think even promoters like Dana White respect that out of these fighters.: Absolutely, yes. You I know? think Dana loves somebody who's there to, who comes to fight, right He doesn't make Kevin Gastelum doesn't make excuses. "Oh, my leg was not proper. "Oh, my training camp was not improper." he didn't make an excuse. "I right. lost, I lost. I lost to a better man tonight." Same thing with Robert Whitaker, the class on the human. He didn't make excuses. He didn't say he had a hernia is like i lost to a better man tonight right and, right and In that's fact- what that's what it was. You know, in fact, that's so inspirational because these guys don't make excuses. They show up. It doesn't matter. You know, like sometimes you're injured. Sometimes you're not in the right frame of mind. But man, you know, Rafael Cordero, that oh camp man, Cordero. that camp of Kings MMA, you know, where, where people like Mike original, Tyson, original Nova Uniao and Black House. Absolutely. You know, the guy who in fact got Mike Tyson in shape for his fight versus Roy Jones Jr. The man who... Uh, you know, Francis Enganu went to to sharpen his skills. Man, man. what what Rafael. an in, what an inspirational fellow! You know, you know but Rafael you know, but was uh, Junior Dos Santos's boxing coach. For absolutely, time. yeah, he was. He was. And Junior, know. in his prime, was so fast and so good. You couldn't catch him, man. He was greased lightning. Yeah, it was yeah, unbelievable. Absolutely. But I think we can we can sum up the entire fight with Robert Whitaker as a technical masterclass. I wouldn't say it was a one sided beating. Because Kelvin Gastelum bloodied him up as well. Right. And Kelvin Gastelum is always, uh, you know, he's, he's somebody that you have to literally murder him to finish him. He's a gamer. You know, he's a gamer. In fact, his last fight versus Israel Adesanya was was pretty much one of the best fights that I have ever seen, (laughs) you know, and after that, I I think he pushed the champ to a point when nobody's pushed the champion. Yes. I think even Jan Blahovic didn't hurt. Uh, Kelvin Gastelum had a. Rocked. Yes. Is he, had, he, he rocked? And I think nobody has pushed the champ like that. Right, right. And the best part is that Robert Whitaker is just 30 years old, Kelvin Gaslim is 29. These people have a great career. These people have such a beautiful future ahead of them. I would definitely want to see the strap around Kelvin Gaslim at some point of time in his career. But yeah, so that's it from us in round one. We will see you right back after this commercial break. In round two, where Mystic Chips and me, Somesh Superhuman Kamra, will be speaking exclusively about crossovers where boxing meets MMA. But that is on round two, on the other side. Welcome back to The Fighting Goat. Man, I can never tire of saying The Fighting Goat. (laughs) This is Arjun aka Mystic Chippercutty with my buddy, Superhuman, Somesh Kamara, as we bring to you round two, where we want to talk about some of the stuff that we spoke about in round one. We spoke about Ben Askren, a former MMA fighter, a a highly decorated collegiate wrestler, NCAA two-time champion, Went Up. Okay, he agreed. Why he agreed is is a different mystery altogether, but that's what we're here to talk about. About Somesh, we talk about so many fighters, you know, boxing versus MMA has been a debate. For the ages, the first time a boxer came into MMA was to prove that boxing had better striking, had everything. Nobody is debating the fact that boxers aren't better strikers. They are. But MMA is a very rounded sport. You have to worry about the kicks. You have to worry about the wrestling, the grappling, the jujitsu, everything. So when the first time a boxer came to MMA was James Toney, who took on the uber veteran. uh, And I would call him the grandfather of the UFC. Randy the natural couture. Oh man, and that was so oh, so hyped. That was so hyped. In fact, when was extent, it, man? It, this, it? This is what 2010 2009 maybe? Yeah, that yeah, time? I think I think it was I think it was 2009 or 2010 in that it's era. Easily been about 12 years now, 10, easily. Years, 10, 10 years, yeah, easily. You know, the first time when a boxer had transitioned into MMA was uh, as Mr. Chips rightly said, was when Tony when Tony crossed over and he faced Randy Couture. And Was that for the belt? Uh no, this is not for a bet. This was okay. an exhibition. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So that's what happened. And I just felt Tony was schooled in that one. Yeah, dude. That's the thing. <laughs> Tony was like, I'm gonna catch him coming in. And Randy at 45 years of age leapt across, grabbed his toe, took him down, and arm tangled him, arm choked him basically. Yeah. And 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 it was it was so effortlessly done. And then to to add insult to injury in front of Tony. Uh, Extreme Couture, uh, the Extreme Couture coaches come out and they put the black belt around Randy Couture's neck, saying, <laughs> so "You earned it, buddy." <laughs> I mean, come on, it was it was it was funny, but that led to an entire series. You know that, that taught a lot of boxers that obviously you can't come to MMA because you're going to get schooled. Right, but, but it, the same thing happened when uh, when boxers when when MMA fighters went went over and crossed over to the other side, like like when. Uh, Conor McGregor took on uh, Floyd Mayweather. Right, right. In fact, after that beautiful exhibition between James Toney and Randy Couture, there was obviously a lot of boxers who came into MMA but they adapted to the sport. They True. were not they were not pure boxers. You know, so someone like a Junior Dos Santos oh. who you know, who was a pure boxer but he learned to take down defense. But at the same time, Chips, why do you think people from boxing move into MMA and from MMA move into boxing? What do you think is the reason for that? Oh, no, the thing is that there are first there are far lesser fighters moving from boxing to MMA because boxing is a very when you have a single disciplined sport it becomes very technical. Right. So boxers if you look at the way they move their hands it's it's just these two weapons it's just your it's just your fists. Yeah. So everything is centered around the movement for that. The way the feet move, the hips move, the way your shoulders roll, everything is centered around that. So your discipline in boxing becomes elite whereas mixed martial artists are usually come from kickboxing backgrounds mixed martial artists come from former boxing backgrounds right. and i think it is the allure of money people want that money because boxing has look at the look at this now um, uh, jake paul has made uh, ben askrin his purse was 500000 to show win or lose he's going to be walking away a millionaire right and he right. would never make that kind of money in mma and someone like a Robert Whittaker, like a former champion, three-fight winning streak, all bonuses combined, made half a million. Correct. But because I think it's the purses, the fight purses. Boxing also has been around for a lot longer. Boxing right. also has, had, has attracted a lot of celebrities in the past. I'm not saying MMA doesn't. But I think a lot of people still consider, you know, even, even though we don't, MMA is a very brutal sport. Right. Very, very brutal sport. It's one of the most brutal sports in the world. But it is at the end of the day, it's still a sport. And there are a lot of athletes coming into MMA. But at the same time, we, you know, we have this constant argument of how boxing isn't growing. But what I'm worried about is that the shit show aspect of boxing is growing. The sideshow fights, the pageant. I mean, you saw that event, okay? There was Justin Bieber singing and this and that. And, and I was, Snoop Dogg and, commentating. And Snoop Dogg commentating. So clearly, you know, with Snoop Dogg <laughs> yelling, where's my mother effing money? Dana White at the end of it when Jake Paul won. And (laughs) so one would come to consider Are a lot of tell me something. Now you are MMA fighters feeling the pinch in terms of the money? Because look, if you're not a champion, if you're not a champion, if you're not a John Jones, if you're not a Silva, you're not a GSP, you're not a Conor McGregor, you're not making that kind of money. Well, see, we've primarily centered around the UFC because we're such big fans of the UFC and the talent out there. But, yeah. you know, why do people like Rory McDonald or someone like a Yoel Romero, you know, why, why are they transitioning into Bellator? It was the last three years of their career, they're transitioning into Bellator primarily because maybe the money is better or it's more in uh, sure. Bellator, you know, but UFC is such a, it's created such a monopoly. It's created such a monopoly of marketing, uh, you know, monopoly of the hype of the fights that many right. people want to come to the UFC for the marketing and the fame, not necessarily Very the money. Very true. Uh, boxing definitely has no money, but honestly, if people are running behind money, I think there are other different organizations that they can go to. They may not get the same hype and marketing, like the UFC, Correct. but you know, Brave is always it's, open. You know, one championship is open. It's Pelotard like all is open. It's like when Connor Connor was rising to success in the UFC yeah. and he got his, he became the double double champ. Yeah. He immediately called out Floyd Mayweather, who accepted instantly. He's right. like, Yeah, done. Because of the success and the fame of the UFC. He right. got a chance to get into boxing and did a pretty damn good job. He hung in there for, for 10 rounds with Man, Floyd you know. Money Mayweather. You know, and of course, uh, Floyd then turned up the heat and said enough of this and I'm just going to win now. Yeah. You and know. he keeps his 51 and 0 record, um, you know, solid. But I understand now, but what you said was right in the last end of their career, like Rory McDonald, he had fought the wars, he had gotten all the publicity right. and he went to where the money was. ul Romero was, well, according to me, when Robert Whittaker was champion, Romero beat him once. So I am still a firm believer of that. Yeah. The second fight, I think Romero should have been become the champion. But um, Bobby Knuckles can meet me up later for that. (laughs) Uh, But no, I understand why these guys are moving over to boxing. But what I have a problem with is other sideshows. Like I think a lot of former fighters like say Frank Mayer or even Ben Askren, who, you know, they've made their money, but they haven't made their money, you know, yeah, because of the damage that they've taken. Frank Mayer, especially he had a bike accident. Then he came back to face... Uh, he came back. He won a few, won the championship belt, got beat up by Brock Lesnar. It's, it's you know, and then it was on a downward spiral. Right. He just got, he got, he got tooled by Junior Dos Santos. And then we didn't see much of him. Last we saw him in another organization with Josh Barnett. And uh, I see a lot of, like Frank may have fought this weekend and he fought against a very, very talented boxer. Yeah. But you could see the disparity. He got beat up. Yeah. He got beat up badly. Of throughout and, the, all the rounds. But he survived those six rounds. And yeah, you know, because uh, honestly, his, you know, his background is in wrestling and BJJ. So yeah, uh, I, I don't get it. Why yeah. are the BJJ guys boxing? Well, you know, the same goes with Ben Askren. You know? I mean, he's in fact a wrestler. I would not know why, you know, except for the purse. I don't know why he would go and face I, even anybody like a Jake Paul. You know, I see. Honestly, if you want, you know, Jake Paul to do some real thing, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Vijinder Singh versus Jake Paul. Oh my God. Vijayan, would chew him up and spit him out. Well, don't you we want that? I want the hells here. Yeah. No, no. Jake Paul is, there was an article on MMA Junkie called loving to hate Jake Paul. And he has become public enemy number one because look at the guy. He's 3-0. He's taken on two YouTubers and one legit fighter who is way past his prime and never had hands even in MMA. Right. He never even had hands in MMA. He's. I mean, when is the last time you heard uh, Ben Askren hurting anybody on their feet? Uh, well, maybe like two thousand and one or two thousand three. Yeah, correct. Maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe in, in school or something. You're going to do a fight. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the point is that the point is that it's it's you don't see Jake Paul. He's he's calling out guys like Nate Diaz. I mean, oh, I would man. pay money, please, Nate Diaz, go make an example out of this mofo. <laughs> do it because that's what the world wants. And this guy is winning, man. He's clearly making the right moves. This is the thing with boxing. You know, you win a couple, and then you just start calling out the whole world. He's calling out Conor McGregor. Not, not that I'm saying that Conor McGregor is is going to look at Jake Paul and say who, yeah, you know? <laughs> say, who? who who are you again? Who and 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 he, and he's going to do that. But I'm getting annoyed by the fact is that if you want to be a legitimate boxer, go call out a boxer. Yeah, go yeah. call out a professional boxer. I absolutely you have the balls to do that. that. Do that. In MMA, we don't have that bullshit. Yeah, MMA nobody does that crap. Then right. nobody will, will go and say, usko let's call some boxer from somewhere obscure and time to come fight us. Correct. Correct. Never do that. But you know, is that, it, like, see, it's like uh, Jackere calling out me, calling me out to fight. <laughs> <laughs> see, boxing, boxing has its uh, pros and cons, but off late in the past couple of years, we've only seen the heavyweight division, which has been really active. You know, <laughs> the heavyweights with Tyson Fury, Andy Ruiz, uh, Josh, uh, Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua, yeah, you know, so you know so but even Canelo's division man super middleweight also has been active. Well, it's just it's just Canelo, it's probably Manny Pacquiao, you know, Margarito. Floyd, you know, Floyd is in and out, you know. So honestly, I can I can count on the back of my fingers that there are not even 10 boxers that we can actually draw a card with. But on Ooh. the flip side in MMA You know, just, just as UFC alone has about 900 contracted fighters out of which I feel at least 50 of them are huge draws. 10 of them may be mega stars. True. true. does that, does that make a more feasible business venture to be in? See, the thing is that the, the continuity of revenue with MMA is far more than boxing because MMA has been on every weekend for the last, I don't know how many years now. And especially in the last three years, Dana White has just ramped it up. There's never a weekend, there's never a Saturday night that there's not a fight. Correct. Something happening somewhere. And before this bullshit coronavirus, there were fights in Europe, there were fights in London, there were fights in Abu Dhabi, there were fights in Singapore, there were fights in China, there were fights, there were regional fights in the US. There used to be fight nights that were clashing with one another. Correct. Where one would be in America and one would be somewhere in, uh, in another part of the world. But boxing, the fights are so few and far between. Like if you even if you look at say Dizone, which is now which is is the Canelo Alvarez's promoter, yeah. Zone, which shows their fights, there are a lot of fights, but again, it's not it's not it's not enough. It's not out there enough. But boxing is taking is taking a page out of MMA because they're starting to promote again. They're starting to promote again. And boxers like Amir King Khan in the Middle East are, yeah. are starting to push hard. Right. Starting to push hard, and they're using guys like like Israel Adesanya is one of the ambassadors for one of Amir Khan's gyms, right. and that is pretty incredible. So I and think there is a plan somewhere that crossovers are happening for promotion primarily. Well, also I uh, I think the latest call out from MMA to boxing was when uh, Francis Ngano called out Tyson Fury and or Anthony Joshua, and he was willing to box either of them in a boxing fight anywhere in the world is what he said. That's crazy. So, so do you think that will be an interesting matchup? It's honestly, no. I mean, look, man, if you're looking and look at Anthony Joshua, look at Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury is, is a pure boxer. Pure boxer. Right. The kind of power he brings is incredible. I'm not saying Francis Nagano doesn't have power and he's he's got tremendous power. Yeah. But are his hands like Tyson Fury's hands? No. Sorry. They're not. Right. Francis Nagano, maybe if he takes off for goes and trains with Freddie Roach or somebody for the next three years, maybe. But you'll have to give it a great shot. You'll yeah. have to really, like, like, like Connor worked for a year. Connor always had good hands. Correct. but uh, he he uh, His background was boxing. That's correct. Fine. His background was boxing, but he used to throw in the kicks for fun just as a range finder mostly. Right. And, and his background was boxing and he had that stellar left hand. And, um uh, You know, so his transition was not that hard, but he still had to put in the work. Right. I think in the heavier divisions, guys like Deontay, guys like Tyson Fury, guys like Anthony Joshua would not find it very hard to drag Francis Ngannou into deeper waters, man. 12 rounds? Shit. Can you imagine Francis Ngannou punching air by the eighth? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes, but that brings me to the second conversation. We have heard that... Uh, Tyson Fury is taking on Anthony Joshua in the Middle East this year. Chips, are you excited or what? Well, I might get the call to go commentate. So. No ways. Okay, you know we are best friends, right? Yeah, bro. you bro. We do everything together. You're coming with me. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, we do everything together, but just on the professional front. <laughs> no, that and a couple us. of beers also too. Yeah. And a couple of beers too. Come on, come on, C- come on. Watching that's fights all. and drinking beer is is one of my favorite pastimes. That's all. That's all on the professional front. <laughs> <laughs> that brings us to the end of round two, where we spoke of the transition between MMA and boxing, boxing and MMA. Well, we look forward on seeing you in round three, where we make predictions for UFC 261, which is coming up next week with a packed crowd in Florida. See you on the other side after this short break. Welcome back to round three of The Fighting Goat. No, Chip, say it again. Round three of The Fighting go. Yeah, I love yeah. that. <laughs> the power. <laughs> and speaking of which, Team Chips and Team camera of rivalry has been going on for eight episodes. And I'm proud to say that Team Chips is 4-0. Man, you know four what? 4-0. You know, zero. I, I have to... <laughs> I have to... I have to swallow that bitter pill and say, yes, team chips is 4-0. Team Camera has not even won one prediction right at the moment. I think this needs to be a best of nine at the moment. It was supposed no, to be no, a best no, of eh, no. Don't be crying. Chal no, eh. chal, I'll give you odds. <laughs> best of 10. Done. Oh, you know what? Let's just make it the best of the end yeah. Best of the year. Yeah? yeah, like till the end of the year, we'll keep going till I win. Correct, correct. And and the and the end of the year, the winner gets to dole out the body shots the leg kicks and the beating that they want on their opponent or of a person of their choosing. Well, uh, yeah. And and a free trip to Las Vegas and a free trip to Las Vegas as well. <laughs> Sponsored by IVM. Sponsored <laughs> by the best podcast company, <laughs> IVM Podcast. Check them out on www.ivmpodcast.com slash Las Vegas trip. <laughs> <laughs> We're kidding guys. IVM is not sending us to Las Vegas. At least yeah. not yet. Yes. Let's wait. Fingers crossed maybe in the future. Yeah. But speaking of the future, what a card man. Sumesh, we've got the biggest freaking card in front of us. Like I have trouble keeping my language clean because I just want to drop the f bomb 20 times now. The card <laughs> is that good. Well, in fact, uh the the week that went was the last card which had no audience. This pay-per-view UFC 261 is going to be in Jacksonville arena in Florida. And it's going to be packed with 15,000 screaming fans, yeah. chips, you know, I, I, come, you know, I, I can't been, wait for it. Yeah. I've you been waiting it. for this since like March, 2020, ever since this, you know, coronavirus pandemic hit the world and, you know, Holy people went you know, people went into isolation and they stopped watching sports and all the sports were, you know, confined to a space, where there's no audience. No one is screaming, shouting. We had yeah, a bit man. of it. You know, we had a bit of it in Abu yeah, Dhabi. For corners card, I think. Connor yeah, versus... Yeah. Uh, so Connor there were about 2,000 you know, two two yeah. odd people were there. But what are we speaking of on 261? There are 15,000 people. So let me just, let me just break the card for you. The main yes, please. card. Please, please, st- please. It starts off with Anthony Smith and Jimmy Krupp. Lionheart in, is back in the light heavyweight division. Okay, we have Uriah Hall and Chris Whiteman going in the middleweight division. Oh hell yes. And then it comes down to three title fights: the women's flyweight, where the champ Valentina Bulachevchenko takes on Jessica Andaraj. We have the co main event is the woman strawweight, where the champion Wiley Zhang is taking on Rose Thug Namajunas. And the main event is the grudge match between the champ (laughs) Kumaro Usman (laughs) and and Jorge Masvidal. Man, what up! Freaking card! <laughs> you know, and the best part is that out of these ten fighters, I'm guaranteeing you nobody's pulling out. Whoever's injured is gonna fight. They don't I, no, care. No, they don't give a shit. Nobody is pulling out of this fight. Firstly, the countdown series has begun. The UFC hype machine has begun. The fights, fighters have started arriving now in Florida. Their tests are done. Their vaccinations are done. They're getting ready. I am so tempted. This is going to be one f***ing unbelievable card. I said it. I don't give a shit. But the point is that it's just, you know, if you're a fight fan and if you don't feel, if you don't feel like screaming expletives at your TV or smashing the TV or I don't know what, when you see a fight card like this, I have never seen a fight card like this. It is, It's you know, it's beautiful. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you the main event, which is Usman versus Masvidal uh, had happened once in the past yes. where, On a short notice, right? On a six day notice when... Yeah, on a six-day notice, when Jorge Masvidal stepped in, the fight was in Fight Island Abu Dhabi. And obviously Kumaro Usman beat him very, very convincingly. And post fight Please, if you can call stomping somebody's feet for 28 minutes, is convincing <laughs> children, convincing. but you know, but Masvidal clearly said if he has a full camp, he's gonna smash Usman's face. Let's just find you out. Know what? There's gonna be no title, no prediction, nothing. We're gonna go for all the five fights. We're, yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're, today we're predicting to- all of it. We're going to predict all of them. But let's start from the bottom. Let's start from the bottom. Let's start with Kroot versus Lionheart. So light heavyweight, Anthony Smith versus Jimmy Kroot. Chips, your pick? Um, Anthony Smith has made a resurgence recently. He's won his last fight. He won by submission. I think he's got a great chance at doing this again. I'm going to go with um, Jimmy Kroot for the upset. Oh, very interesting. Because after, after praising Lionheart for like 16 minutes, you go for the opponent. <laughs> uh, I'm going to choose Lionheart Smith for this one. Absolutely. So it's Lionheart Smith for Team Kamara and Jimmy Crute from four. Australia. Yes, sir. But he's 14, in the, you know what camp he's with. Oh man. He's with the <laughs> right people. I know my, I'm telling you, Mr. Kamara, guys, you're listening. Remember 4-0. Four <laughs> zero. Well, uh, yeah, that is that is Arjun's age at the moment. Four <laughs> zero. <You know? laughs> we are going to we are going to move on to the middleweight fight between Uriah Hall and Chris Weidman. Now, now you know that I am never going to side with Chris Weidman, right? <laughs> oh man, you know what? The former champion. Come on, the former middleweight champion. The former champion. The former middleweight champion. The man who dethroned the Spider Anderson Silva himself. Fluke, albeit. Yeah, um, I'm never. No, no, I can't. I can't. It's just physically done. No, Uriah Hall is Anderson's boy, and oh. I saw them get emotional. And he said, "Me badla lunga," Ooh. and I knew he's going to do it. And Uriah badla Hall ki by a stoppage by flying knee to the head. Very, very vicious. Very, very vicious at the moment. So, Team Chips is going for Uriah Hall. Team Camera, however, is going for the New York native Chris Weidman. It's a mistake, Mr. Kamra. It's a mistake. But anyway, uh, well, it's well it's, <laughs> well, it's 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 more of a mystic. It's a mystic mistake, but it's a mistake nevertheless. <laughs> All right. Well, team Kamra is going with with the the All American Chris Weidman, and uh, I will go with Anderson two That is Uriah Hall. That's a brilliant prediction. Let's get on to the title fights. The first one, women's flyweight. Valentina Shevchenko. And Jessica Andaraj. Andaraj was someone who slammed uh, Thug Rose Namajunas and stole the belt from her. Yeah. This, you know, this entire, these two title fights for the in the women's divisions are, all these contenders are so familiar with one another. They're yeah. so familiar that they can actually move up and down. It's a matter of a couple of pounds. They can actually just go up and down and take on one another if they want to. Well, Chips, in fact, that gets me to the point. I mean, would you, would you ever imagine Wiley Zhang versus Valentina Shivchenko? Oh my God. Yes. If I'm telling you, so based on our predictions, if both the champions retain, that's the next fight I would be looking at. I'd be oh looking man. at a super fight between Zhang Wiley Li and, and, and with the drama that has unfolded between Zhang and Rose who and yeah. Rose said some pretty not nice things, to be honest. Yeah. And she tried to backtrack and cover up her steps, but it's too late. Twitter has a habit of screenshotting and sharing everything that you do. Uh, you would know that best, right? oh I know who did it to me as well but uh, that's a story for another day (laughs) but the point is that those rivalries the rivalries man and the rivalries that we're seeing between these women especially Zhang Wiley. Zhang Wiley will be out for blood I know she's going to be out for blood both these fights have got wars written all over them. Absolutely. Wars, like violent, brick and walls. What do you think in the women's flyweight? Valentina Shivchenko oh, or Jessica Andra? is a Brazilian Bullet, killer? Bullet Valentina retains. Five-round decision though. Ooh, very she interesting. She will win by decision. Well, I'm going to go for the same thing. She wins. Actually, I don't want to say technique.
1: I'm just, okay. She just
0: wins. She wins. Interesting. So for me, it's going to be Bullet Valentina Shivchenko. However, Team Kamra thinks there will be a stoppage in this one. I cannot predict that. But we're but not we're, we're not going into the nitty-gritties though. we are yeah. just going to say who's going to win? So team Chips is... and Team Kamra are picking the champion retains, and still, yep. Valentina Bullet Shevchenko. And what about what about what about between uh, Zhang Baili and uh, and Rose? Well, women strawweight third Thug Rose. Oh man, this is. This I is hope so DC true. and Rogan are commentating, man. Well, I think they would be. I think they would be because it is the in. Card. Because it's in the US. It's you know it's not oh, too far true. from where they are. You know, so I guess it would be DC and maybe Dominic Cruz and Joe Rogan on this one. But yep. oh, such a difficult prediction. Strawweight 150. hundred and fifteen. I'll, I'll help pounds. you. I'll help you. I'll start. I, uh, Zhang Wiley retains. Jung Wiley retains very yes. interesting somehow. Somehow, my heart is going with her. Rose Namajunas. Okay, there's you know, one difference now. I, I, you know, in fact, she had said in an interview so after she lost the belt the first time, uh, she said that you know, there is a certain pressure that is off my head. Mm-hmm. And for this fight, she clearly said, listen, I'm out there for blood. I'm going for the gold. It's just a shift in mindset. Uh, I, think she, I think it's going to be a very close fight. It could be a decision, split decision. I, I, don't, don't, know. Think, I don't think it's going to be a decision. I think, I think uh, Zhang Baili is literally going to look to smash her. Oh man, that's crazy. Yeah, it's, wow. going to be, okay. it's going to be very high fueled and you know what happens when you see Zhang Baili pissed off. Oh man. Yeah. You know what, what she did to you, I was something brutal, you know, it's, you know, it's more, you know, it's more, it's more of bare knuckle boxing kind of after yes. results that we saw there. The, the, the hematoma that she caused on Joanna's forehead has yeah. caused her to take a one year leave of absence for medical, uh, for, for medical leave. Right. She was, she was, it was, it was a beating and, and I'm pretty sure Zhang Wiley has studied tape and tape on Rose, Rose, yeah. As strong as she is and as, as as great as a champion as she is. And she trains with some of the best kickboxers in the world, Pat Barry. Yeah. And as good as she is, I think she is has a tendency to be, you know, it's very wrong for me to say that somebody can break, but we've seen her break. Because then Andraj stepped it up and started landing those shots in the pocket. We saw Rose start to, you know, slow down and wilt a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. So, so you could see that happen. No, so Whereas you've never ch- seen Zhang Wiley even in remotely in trouble. Yeah, yeah. Very true. Very true. However, my gut feeling is saying Rose. So it's team chips that goes for the champion Wiley Zhang. Yes, and still, sir. and team team camera goes for and new thug Rose Namajunas. And All right, now, now the main event of the evening. The grudge match in the <laughs> welterweight category, which is but, 170 oh pounds man. between Kumaro Marty Usman. Why did he say? That? <laughs> but technically and his name was Marty in college. So yeah. yeah. You know, Kumaru Marty Usman versus Jorge Masvidal. Street Jesus Masvidal, who wants yes. to baptize him in the most violent manner. I mean, who makes up this shit, man? The <laughs> so, way these guys have been talking to each other. We you know we, really, we've gone on and on and on about rivalries and hatred between genuine rivalries between fighters. This right. is as real as it gets. These guys do not like one another. They can't be put into the same room as each other. And man, you watch. They can't be in the same city as each other. Rakar Closer needs to see the shove that Masvidal is going to use. He's going to shove oh, Kumaru man, Usman. It's crazy. But Chips, what's your prediction? This is a hard one. And it, it hurts my heart to see this. And I hope I lose this prediction. I hope I lose. But still, Kumaru Usman will defend his belt. Against well, chips, man. You, I want to lose. I want to be wrong. I want to be know, wrong. I hope you, I'm wrong. You have you have spoken you have spoken the exact words, what I would say. I hope I lose this one. But practically, if I look at this fight, I think Usman is going to retain it. Yeah. However, you know what? Let's just make it interesting. I would go for Jorge Masvidal. Okay, done, done. You've already gone with Rose and Masvidal. I've gone with all the three champions retaining. Uh interesting, interesting. So, yes. So, those are the predictions from Team Chips and Team Camera. You can make your predictions and tag us, tag IVM, tag the fighting goat, tag team chips, tag team camera, and win some exciting prizes only Absolutely. from IVM. Absolutely. So, guys, please make sure that you tag us on our handles. If you want to catch me on Instagram, it's Arjun underscore On Twitter is at Mystic Chippal, go Somesh. Well, you can catch me on Instagram, somesh.kamra. And on Twitter, it's somesh underscore camera. You want to tag us, tag us, talk to us, hashtag us, tag IVM podcasts, and win some really exciting prizes. Yes. So, so what some are you waiting for? Great apparel, great cups. Car- so you know what? We're not going to tell you the prizes. First tag us, start talking to us, get in touch with us. And believe me, make your predictions for your chance to win some cool prizes. That being said, thank you so much for joining us on this amazing episode number 8 of The Fighting Goat. We will be back next week to see if Team Chips continues their long winning streak or will Team Kamra try and upset the balance. Thank you so much, everybody. Don't forget to log on for much more content and similar content like this only on IVMpodcasts.com. This is Arjun Mystic Chips and the superhuman Somesh Kamra saying... Ciao, ciao, alvida, and sayonara.